Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Cindy Chavez here. Today is Wednesday, October the 10th, 2018, 8 a.m. Eastern Time. Your first daily dose of happy for the day. And uh, we have a experience with one of Cindy's favorite phrases, good luck, bad luck, who knows? <laughs> because <laughs> for whatever reason, the... The uh, Spreaker Studio desktop app that uh, we use to broadcast live as well as record the podcast has decided this morning that it's not going to broadcast live. So the little workaround that Bitdefender gave me isn't working. Well, that's all right. I'll contact them. We'll figure out what's going on there. So today we're doing it offline. But the good news is that 99% of our listeners listen to the recording anyway. So it's not like we've lost anything really there other than we're just not doing the live broadcast. But still, you know, good luck, bad luck. I don't know. Do you know? Well, I'm going to tell the story that Bitdefender has made the final fix and it doesn't work with the workaround. So by the afternoon, we'll just be, everything will be fixed. Well, that's an interesting story. I'd never heard of it that way. <laughs> that, that, it, the fix doesn't work with the workaround. So this, I, I, I'm, whoa, that just like bends my mind in about five different directions at once. <laughs> that, that's what, if, if you ever want to mess the head, of a computer programmer, say something like that. Right. Because <laughs> they'll say, uh, what? <laughs> I have a lot of IT people in my life. So <laughs> I've mastered this. I guess so. Apparently. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That is yeah. great. So, 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 I mean, are you actually admitting here on the program that you mess with the heads of IT people? No, no. Did I say that? No. Yeah, no. I was just drawing a conclusion. Yeah, no. I would never mess with anyone's head. <laughs> if oh, I geez. do, I'll tell them afterwards. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't. I, I'm, I'm just having fun. Having fun is a very good thing. It's something that I'm appreciating more and more every single day. In fact, I've yeah. gotten to the point now. Um, I, I had like an insight last night. The insight is we often, and this kind of came out of the program I did with Wendy Dillard yesterday afternoon. Um, we often, as people, will ask each other, "Well, how are you? You know, how are you doing? What are you feeling? You know, or, or how are you feeling?" Right? And the right. inevitable answer is the default answer. Oh, I'm fine. Or, oh, okay. You know, no thought given to it at all. No, no checking in with the feelings to see how you're actually feeling. Right. Just, oh yeah, I'm okay. And you could be in the middle of a major crisis. <laughs> and, you know, oh no, no, I'm right. fine. <laughs> right. So it occurs to me, maybe the question we should be asking instead of how are you feeling is what are you feeling right now? Cause that's a much more precise question. Well, it, it's not the normal question. It's not. It's not the common or usual question. So I definitely think it makes someone stop and think mm. instead of autopilot. We were talking yesterday about how sometimes our mind is just on autopilot. And you ask someone, oh, how are you? Oh, I'm good. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and they're just throwing out an answer. I'm fine. And they're not really checking in. Exactly. So yeah. when you said that, you know, how are you feeling right now? My brain did a double take. You know, oh wait, that's a different question. It I is, yeah. About that, yeah. In fact, I, I also like changed. The idea of- I changed the beginning. I changed how to what, because how you feel. How, any of these these generic questions, they all begin with how, and how means like, well, how do you do this? How do you feel? You know, what, what what's the process for feeling? Uh-huh. This, right. That's really not what we're asking. We're asking, we're what are you feeling? What? What's, what's yeah. the exact feeling? You know. <laughs> so. Well, I like any question that 
is a little bit different from, you know, the, the expected because yeah. it causes us to tap into that right brain creativity to answer the question. Mm. And that's, that's the area where we start finding solutions. So it's much better to me. I like that. So now you Good just, uh, now you just made the IT people even more frustrated because they're the left brain people and they're convinced that they're getting all their answers on the left hand side. So you just said, no, it came from the right hand side. Oh, no, no, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. No, I'm just teasing I think you. It takes, it takes both sides, it takes the whole brain, right? It does. And well, when it comes to, uh, figuring out what you're feeling, it also takes the heart, right? I mean, you gotta kind of mm. reach inside to find out what you're really feeling. Neither, yeah, neither hemisphere wow. of the brain is going to be able to tell you that. I mean, the creative side of the brain could kind of make one up, but it's not going to necessarily know what you're feeling without actually talking to the, the heart and say, hey, heart, what are we feeling right now? Yeah, good point. So it gets all of us involved. Mm-hmm. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. I like it. That might become my new question. Oh, okay. <laughs> I shock a lot of people, right? You walk up to someone, then you meet them, and or someone comes home, and you say, "Hey." So, what are you feeling, are you right, feeling now? right now? <laughs> <laughs> It'll certainly make for some interesting conversations. I'm gonna do it today. <laughs> You're gonna try it out, okay? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, let us know what, how it worked out when uh, when we do the afternoon podcast. It'll be fun to find out what you, what you tried. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely gonna try that out. <laughs> no one will be shocked having it come from me. Probably, well, probably not. No. <laughs> all kinds of questions. So funny. Which means you have like a built-in softener, right, to do it? Because usually we want. That's one of the reasons we ask the generic questions because they're, they're softeners in and of themselves, and, and because mm. you have a people who know you, you know, they know that you're into alternative things all the time. So that alone becomes your softener. You don't even have to come up with one, which is pretty nice. I, I remember one time when my kids were in high school. We sort of had the house where everybody hung out and all of their friends, you know, loved me a lot. And mm-hmm. um, I remember though one time w- one of the friends said, every time I'm around your mom, I'm afraid she's going to ask me some question I won't be able to answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, my reputation precedes me. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's great though. That's great. So we're going to continue with uh, Neville Goddard and Awakened Imagination. We're moving right along. We've done the first six chapters. There are two left. We're going to do chapter seven today, which has a, an interesting title. It kind of made me stop short. Creation is finished. And, and I, like I told you before the podcast, when I read that, I said, oh, you mean like we're done? Like Earth is yeah, over? we're done here. We hope you enjoyed the show today. That's right. <laughs> we're all done. Yeah. Speaking of being all done, though. Promo time. Promo time, yes. Before we, we've been trying to get them in a little earlier, so. All right. Thank you for doing that. And, and you're right, because I mean, we, we have to get, if the show is finished, we got to get it done now, right? We got to get the promo in. Otherwise it's going to be too late. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, no, yeah, actually we do have two promos that we do every day. And of course the first one is if you're not yet a subscriber, what are you waiting for? Come on. Join the fun. This is like, this is where all the good stuff is happening. This is where you get your daily dose of happy. And that's our goal. That's what we're striving to do with every single show to help uplift everybody and in the process, uplift the planet. I mean, that's the long-term goal to uplift the planet. So become a subscriber so that all 11 episodes that we do every single week come streaming right to your smartphone. Uh, most of you probably know how to do it, but for those of you who might be a little challenged on how to do it, we have instructions for you on the homepage of our website at loatoday.net. 
and just go there. You'll see the instructions. It's pretty darn easy, let me tell you. I made it about as easy as it can be. And then once you do those instructions, boom, you're instantly subscribed. And every single time we have a new episode that comes out, it comes right to your phone, and you can listen to it whenever you're wanting to. And then the second message, of course, is once you're a subscriber, please keep putting the message out or start putting the message out, depending on what's going on in your particular case. That you're watching, or I'm sorry, that you're listening to LOAToday.net. Because since we've been doing that for the last three months, we've been getting a big surge in listenership. And like I said earlier on in this little little thing I'm doing here, we want to get the Daily Dose of Happy to the hands and into the minds and hearts of as many people as possible. Because just imagine what happens when the entire planet gets happier every day. It's got, I mean, it just blows my mind when I think about that. So please keep putting those messages out there. Um, you know, subscribe and share. And that, that combination is going to produce amazing results that... I think it's just going to blow the socks off of everybody. So there's our <laughs> promos for the day. Yay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yes. Yes. So Neville Goddard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm still struggling over that title. Creation is finished. What the heck is it is going on in that guy's head? <laughs> What's he talking about? <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is that when I saw the title, I told you earlier, when I saw it, I got excited. You did. Yes. Uh, and the reason... Why is because, and it's funny, yes, I have read this uh, book before. I've read many of Neville's books more than one time, mm-hmm. but it's been a while and it's really like a brand new trip through this book to me. So I wasn't, you know, I'm not necessarily always expecting what comes next when we turn the page. Mm. Uh, and when I saw Creation is Finished, it brought to mind the idea that I think we've discussed before about time not being linear oh. and about everything already existing, at least in potential. Okay. Like all the different and the ideas of the, you know, the multiverse, um, the idea that every potential already exists. Um, I know it's kind of mind boggling, but. If that's true, that time is not linear and that everything is happening now, then everything is finished, right? And I guess it also means that everything's just starting, too. Right, exactly. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it reminds me of a a story that I don't know if I've told before um, on the podcast, but and I'm I'm not going to go into big detail, but about 10 years ago... I was meditating and I decided to go and I think it's probably when I started this practice, but I decided to, to go speak with in my meditation, my future self. Hmm. And, and so I went and kind of in my meditation conjured up my future self in years in the future and started asking for some advice. So I guess we might say our higher, wiser self, but Mm -hmm. I was definitely going for me in the future. And I had this meditation and I had this conversation with like future me in my meditation. And I did a process where I walked down a long hallway, knowing that at the end of this hallway and down some stairs, there would be a door. And when I walked in, there would my future self be. And when I walked in the door there, I was in the future and I was sitting on this beautiful, uh, velvet 
little sofa that was kind of a magenta color. And I sat down and I had a conversation. And it was very powerful experience. Okay, so flash forward to this past year. Um, I was working with a coach who was developing some ideas and she had an idea about future self. Now, this is not an uncommon thing in coaching. Uh, there are lots of exercises where we imagine our future self. Okay. And we've been talking about this all week, right? Um, about stepping into a new identity. Mm-hmm. Imagine that we are the person that already has that thing. But she asked me to kind of interview myself. She wasn't asking me to do it in a meditative form so much as take a notebook and just do some writing and, and interview your future self. And I said, okay. And she said, and it works best. She said, I think it works best if you get out of your house, like do this somewhere else. So you're not in your normal environment, but like go, go somewhere nice and have an interview. So I said, Oh, I, I know where I'm going to go. And there's this beautiful hotel in town. So, you know, gorgeous place. I've stayed there before and they have little rooms in the front that are like sitting rooms. And I'm just going to go up there, grab a notebook, go in there and, <clears throat> and sit down in one of those little rooms. They're quiet and they're beautiful. And I'll go there. Okay. I go there, I grab my notebook. I talk to a few people in the lobby that have, that recognize me because I'm in and out of the restaurant sometimes. And I said, I'm just going to use one of these little rooms. I go into the room. I sit down, I pull my notebook out, take a deep breath. I get a pen. I look down. I'm sitting on a magenta color. I was wondering. (laughs) Wow. And so I was like, oh, my goodness. I mean, it was such a shock at first. I was like, I don't even have words for it. Um, So creation is finished. Everything has already happened. Everything is happening at once. Like you said, if things are already finished, then they're also just beginning. Mm -hmm. It is mind boggling to think about. Like, there's only one thing missing from the story. Did your past self show up and sit down and talk to you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I recognized that at the time that I started looking forward and talking, I actually saw someone on a video, and now I can't remember who they were. And I think it was an interview with Oprah, maybe. And they said to her, that they would in their meditation go back and comfort their younger self. Mm. And I about jumped out of the chair because, you know, I'd never heard anybody else say that. And I don't usually talk about it because it doesn't see, it seems a little weird. Right. So I was like, Oh oh my goodness. Well, then I thought to myself, okay, so 10 years ago was the first time I ever did that in a meditation. Mm -hmm. And of course, at that time, I wasn't ever reaching back. I was only reaching forward into the future. I mean, the way we see time, right? Mm -hmm. Back into the past, forward into the future. And so now now that this time has gone by and I'm here, now I I also reach back because remember, I was back there looking for some solace and wisdom. Yeah. So now I reach back in my meditation occasionally to my past self and say, you know, everything's going to be okay. You can believe me. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. That is really wild. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, I didn't think I was going to go there this morning. but No, that was great, though. I like it. <laughs> I, I like stuff where where the story is a little bit, uh, you know, woo-woo, but it completes the circle. It, it You know, it, it works from all angles that you look at it. 
I like that a lot. Yeah. Well, you can count on me for the woo-woo. <laughs> well, thank you. We we will make you our director of woo-woo here on LOA Today. <laughs> awesome. I'm ready for that position. All okay. right. <laughs> so let's dive in and see what Neville's got to say in Chapter 7. Uh, creation is finished. He starts right off with a verse from Ecclesiastes. Of course I am he does. The, <laughs> I am the beginning and the end. There is nothing to come that has not been and is. Um, and then he starts talking about Blake. Blake saw all possible human situations as already made states. He saw every aspect, every plot and drama as already worked out as mere possibilities. As long as we are not in them, but as overpowering realities when we are in them. I think that's really interesting, right? It's like, I, I think I used the word potential earlier, but right. as long as we're not in them, they're possibilities. It's like we're getting into sh- the Schrodinger's cat thing. Mm-hmm. And then when we are in them, they're, we perceive them as overpowering realities. He described, he described these states as sculptures of losses halls. Um, remember that he gets very poetic. So, do you, do you know what that reference is? Cause I've never heard of losses halls. Um, it actually was just a writing that Blake did and he used, uh, I don't believe it's referring to something actual. Okay. I think it is a metaphor that he dreamed up. Okay. Um, the sculptures of losses halls. I actually looked it up because, uh, for those of you that aren't looking at the text, the word losses is L O S apostrophe S. Yeah. Mm. So if it would have been, you know, L O S S E S or, you know, like our losses in right. life, things we lose, I would have just maybe thought, okay, it's a poem. But I thought, is this a real thing or a real place? But right. I couldn't find it. I only found it in reference to, up his writing and a metaphor that he used to describe things that were not in our reality. Hmm. Um, things that were potential, things that were possibility. Okay. Um, so Neville goes on to write, distinguish therefore states from individuals in those states. States change, but individual identities never change nor cease. The Mm. imagination is not a state, said Blake. It is the human existence itself. Affection or love becomes a state when divided from imagination. Just how... That's quite a uh, phrase right there, that last one. Well, the whole paragraph. I mean, I had to think about it a bit distinguish states from individuals in those states. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, states change, but individual identities never change nor cease. Okay. Now I had to dig into that a little bit because I believe that we can transform. I believe that our, our identity is always connected to whatever we're experiencing. So if we're experiencing a state that we don't want, then if that's if our identity doesn't change, then we're in trouble. <laughs> oh, okay. Right? I see. But yeah. I don't think that's what he means. I just when he says individual identities, he's just talking about us as an individual. Yeah, that's what I think too. 
Yeah. And so we're going to exist. We're not going to stop existing, but it's the state that we're in can change. And I think that's what I usually call an identity. Um, so there's a little, you know, I had to hash that out a little bit. Mm-hmm. He says the imagination is not a state. It's human existence itself. Now that's Blake talking. Mm-hmm. Remember Neville says our imagination is God. Mm-hmm. The, the creative source within us. Um, affection or love becomes a state when divided from imagination. Yeah, now that's the one that kind of stopped me like, what? <laughs> what, what did he just say? <laughs> yeah, what what do you hear when when you read that? Affection or love becomes a state when divided from imagination. Uh, you were saying something earlier when we were first speaking about feelings. And we were talking about left brain and right brain, which to me, you know, gets a little bit into the imagination, especially the right brain part. Mm-hmm. And then you said, but it can't just be right brain. It ha- we have to, we have to deal with our heart. Mm-hmm. And that's what I see right here, that affection or love becomes a state when divided from imagination. So does, how, how does the word state fit into here? Love or affection becomes a state. So it becomes no longer part of the human experience. It's just, it's like a, one of those potentials. Is that what that means? Well, I believe that the state we're in produces the state that we are in produces our experience. So, the idea that it becomes a state when it's divided from imagination is interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Let's see. Let's see how much we can get out of the chapter because okay. I'm still a little bit unclear about that. Well, well, we'll leave that one highlighted to come back to see if we, if it becomes clearer. Just how important this is to remember is almost impossible to say, but the moment the individual realizes this for the first time is the most momentous in his life. And to be encouraged to feel this is the highest form of encouragement it's possible to give. The truth, this truth, is common to all men, but the consciousness of it, and much more, the self-consciousness of it, is another matter. The day I realized this great truth, that everything in my world is a manifestation of the mental activity which goes on within me, and that the conditions and circumstances of my life only reflect the state of consciousness with which I am fused is the most momentous in my life. But the experience that brought me to this certainty is so remote from ordinary existence, I've long hesitated to tell it. For my reason refused to admit the conclusions to which the experience impelled me. Nevertheless, this experience revealed to me that I am supreme within the circle of my own state of consciousness and that it is the state with which I am identified that determines what I experience. Okay. So he, this is, this is what we're trying to get to. Um, we were talking earlier about states and identities. And I made the comment that he, he says identities don't cease to exist. And I said, I think that's just the individual because of this statement right here. I am supreme within the circle of my own state of consciousness and that it is the state with which I am identified that determines what I experience. And what I want to throw in there 
to know what, what state are we identified with? Well, pay attention to your I am statements. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I am sad. I am rich. I am sick. I am well. I am healthy. I am thriving. I'm happy. I'm frustrated. I, I mean, I think those are the states that we're identifying with at that moment. Well, then let me go back to the statement we highlighted. Right. Let's reread that one. So affection or love becomes a state when divided from imagination. I wonder if the phrase becomes clearer if we replace the word divided with something like grows from. Oh, that's interesting. Like cell division. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's almost like a multiplication. Right. Yeah. Well, the way I was looking at that is that it becomes something that's not just in our imagination. And I thought about that because of you making the connection between right brain, left brain. And, but wait, what about my heart? What about the heart? Mm -hmm. And so, and because love and affection, I thought those are states of the heart. They're not just in the imagination. And that makes sense. The the word that tripped me up was divided. Me too. Because divided, in my mind, implies some kind of separation. Separation. But I don't think he means separation at all. Interesting. Okay, so you're looking at it as though it's a gro- an outgrowth. An outgrowth, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which seems like it lines up with what he's saying. In fact, right? there's a, yeah. another, uh, this is where it's advantageous to be married to a, uh, a gardener because dividing and gardening is where you are basically oh, yeah. cutting back the stuff that's there so it can become more abundant and you can be used elsewhere. It's like, oh, so, so dividing multiplies. <laughs> right, because you, you can take, like I know this, I have a... I have an African violin in my office that it became it became so huge that I had to divide it. I had to open it up and turn it into two plants, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it divides and divides. So it's almost like that word is a multiplication. Yeah. I, I, he he has used gardening metaphors before without stating that they're gardening metaphors. I have a feeling well, this is a gardening pruning metaphor. shears of yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's an example right. of it. So we talked about that earlier. So, okay. So I am supreme within the circle of my own state of consciousness. And that is the state with which I'm identified that determines what I experience. Therefore, it should be shared with all for to know this is to become free from the world's greatest tyranny, the belief in a second cause. Okay. Now he's lost me again. (laughs) Okay. So. What what he's talking about here is that um, there's no there's no second cause. We are the cause. Our our processes in our mind, the thoughts that we're thinking, the story that we're telling, the state which we are identifying ourselves with, is what is creating our experience, not okay. some outside cause. So a second cause. <clears throat> Replace the word second with outside, and now it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, so it's not some other thing that's <laughs> yes. out there. Right, okay. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Mm. Blessed are they whose imagination has been so purged of the beliefs in second causes. They know that imagination is all, and all is imagination. Now, that is his 
uh, sermon on blessed are the pure in heart for they right. shall see God. Right. Is that <laughs> our imagination is so focused, is so clean, is so purged of any belief that some other outside thing is causing anything for us that we shall see God. Mm-hmm. We shall. <laughs> we shall know that imagination is everything. It would have been That's, interesting if that was part of the original Beatitudes, actually. <laughs> that, that, right? would have, that would have brought an entirely different light to the whole thing. Seriously. We don't know, right? Mm. <laughs> See, I, I'll go there. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Because what we have is, is what somebody recorded. We don't know that they got the whole thing. Yeah. So he says, one day... I quietly slipped from my apartment in New York City into some remote yesteryear's countryside. As I entered the dining room of a large inn, I became fully conscious. I knew that my physical body was immobilized on my bed back in New York. Interesting. Okay. Let that sink in for a minute. Yeah. This this is almost like a dream state that he's describing here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, when the first time I ever read that, I was like, what just happened? <laughs> Cause he says one day I quietly slipped from my apartment and he was like, okay. All right. So it's like he was describing he, what do they call it an astral travel experience, something like that. Well, he uses this word immobilized and mm-hmm. we've read it before. And when he's giving the instruction about just like cause your body to be immobilized. And I'm like, it's meditation. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just relax. Right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So he says, yet here I was. Okay, I knew that my physical body was immobilized on my bed back in New York. (laughs) Yet here I was, as awake and as conscious as I've ever been. I intuitively knew that if I could stop the activity of my mind, everything before me would freeze. Ooh. No sooner was the thought born that the urge to try it possessed me. (laughs) I felt my head tighten, then thicken to a stillness. My attention concentrated into a crystal clear focus, and the waitress walking walked not. And I looked through the window, and the leaves falling fell not. And the family of four eating ate not. And they lifting the food lifted it not. Then my attention relaxed, the tightness eased. And of a sudden, all moved onward in their course. The leaves fell, the waitress walked, the family ate. Then I understood Blake's vision of the sculptures of Loss's halls. Well, he could have just said everything froze and I would have gotten it. But no, he had to go off on this poetic journey here in order to express it. And I guess there's some value to that. Yeah. Well, I guess there's some value to it because the value is it gave it more meat. I mean, he filled out the details by doing it that way. Yeah. So even and though his, his wording is a little then, bit, uh, his wording is a little bit uh, convoluted and, and you know biblical in the way he writes it, so it could be a little hard to follow. But nevertheless, there's a great deal of value in the detail of it. So I'll give him credit for the detail for sure. And poetry is recognized by a certain part of our brain that processes things a little different. So the value might be even greater than we recognize. Okay. And and he uses a lot of poetry. He does. So he says, then I understood Blake's vision of the sculptures of Loss's Halls. It makes you think we should start reading the sculptures of Loss's Halls to get the full analogy there. 
Well, what's interesting to me is when I think about that is sculptures. They are frozen. Oh, that's true. Yeah. They are static. They're still. And he just had this experience where everything stopped. Mm. You know, if he could stop the activity of his mind, I don't know that I could do that. Uh, I was, as I was reading this, I was thinking about how, how well trained Neville's mind was. Well, actually, we all do it. That's what meditation is. When, when we calm the mind, we're basically stopping all that negative or even just normal chatter going on and just quieting it all down. Well, that's stopping it. It's true that, yes, we, our mind definitely quiets down when we're meditating. But to use the word stop, that's what kind of... It seems different to you? Yeah, I mean, my mind might stop for a second, uh, but this seemed different. I don't know. Just uh, if he says if he could stop the activity in his mind, I thought, boy, that's... (laughs) <laughs> well, it is a good skill to have, by the way. I mean, and yes, I do believe we can get there. But mm-hmm. once again, I'm recognizing the 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 practice that it takes. Oh yeah, no doubt. To be about able that. to have that kind of focus. Mm-hmm. So he says um, he quotes then John four thirty eight. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Uh, <laughs> creation is finished. I am the beginning and the end. There is nothing to come that has not been and is. We started with that verse. The world of creation is finished and its original is within us. We saw it before we set forth and have since been trying to remember it and to activate sections of it. And that sounds like Abraham. Mm. (laughs) There are infinite views of it. Our task is to get the right view and by determined direction of our attention, make it pass in procession before the inner eye. If we assemble the right sequence and experience it in imagination until it has the tone of reality, then we consciously create circumstances. So I'm going to interrupt you for a second because mm -hmm. you cued a thought in my mind. You said, this sounds like Abraham. And it does. The way that was worded did sound like Abraham. Mm -hmm. And that made me think of an Abraham concept that to this day I still kind of boggle at a little bit. The concept of expansion. And the first time I heard it, I I asked myself a question that I keep asking to this day. What is expanding? In this case, we're talking about Neville's vision of of the multiverse, as you described it, where Mm -hmm. everything is started, everything is ended. It's all been worked out. Every possibility has been worked out, and and it's all right there. Okay, if it's all right there, and we are just jumping in at one point and experiencing it for a while and jumping out, where does expansion come into it? Because if it's already done, what's to what's left to expand? Our experience of it. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it is the experience. The experience because is expansion. Because if it, if it truly is, you know, when we talk about every potential, that's infinite, infinite, right? That's mind-boggling to think of every – and I've thought about this before in any given situation – Right. Like is so there's there's another reality. There's a parallel universe where everything about this podcast is exactly the way it is, except one slight thing. (laughs) 
and another one where there's another slight thing different, you know, goes on forever. <laughs> um, I think the, the expansion is us. It's a, an expanded consciousness. It's that we expand our awareness of the possibilities and the potential. And in doing that, we experience more things. So our experience expands as well. Well, that's an interesting explanation. And it's the most coherent one I've ever heard since I first heard from Abraham that we are here for expansion. That's the best one I've ever heard. That It makes sense. It holds together. I'm not sure I'm totally bought into it yet, but at least I have an answer that I can say, yes, that sounds like a good answer. I always thought of when I would hear that, I would think of that it's nature's nature, <clears throat> excuse me, if you will, to expand, right? I mean, like anybody that gardens knows that. And that we also have it that in our nature, being part of nature, is that we want to expand. We want to grow. We want to uh, accumulate things. We want to accumulate knowledge. We want to learn more, experience more, have more, be more, do more, whatever. That's the way I looked at it. But it was a great question that you asked. I had to think about it. It's like, well, how does, if everything's already created, where do we, what do we do with the concept of expansion? Yeah. How does that but fit in? <laughs> I think that's how it fits in. That mm. makes more sense to me now that it is our consciousness that expands. And I can see he's alluding to the word that you came up with in the next paragraph. So let's do the next paragraph. Let's see where we are. <laughs> uh, okay. The inner procession is the activity of imagination that must be consciously directed. We, by a series of mental transformations, become aware of increasing portions of that which already is, and by matching our own mental activity to that portion of creation which we desire to experience, we activate it, resurrect it, and give it life. Now, here's what's interesting. We've been talking about the, the sculptures in Loss's Halls, and the sculptures are not alive. They are, they are just a picture of something. And so now we're talking about activating it and resurrecting it, even giving it life and creating, you know, bringing it to life. This experience of mine not only shows the world as a manifestation of the mental activity of the individual observer, but it also reveals our course of time as jumps of attention between eternal moments. An infinite abyss separates any two moments of ours. We, by the movements of our attention, give life to the sculptures of Loss's Halls. Okay, so let me ask another question here. If this scenario we've painted here is true, then what is the role of deliberate creation in this whole metaphor, in this whole um, system that we we're describing here. Because once again, if everything is all created, it's all everything that every possibility has already been worked out and it, it, there's a beginning, there's an end. It's all in one instant in time. There, there's no actual time. It's all simultaneous. If all of that is true, where does new creation come from or where does it fit in rather? Where does new creation fit in? Because that's what we're doing as deliberate creators. We're creating. We're choosing. Are we choosing or are we creating? I think we're choosing. 
because I think that all of the potentials already exist. So we're choosing what we want to experience. And we call that creating consciously. We're creating an experience. We're creating where we're sending our awareness. That's what I think. You may have a a different or better exper- uh, explanation for that. But I, I think that if it's already done, then our part is to, our part of being conscious about it is the most important part because we're not just allowing, you know, the, the, when we're not conscious, it has that sense of the, the second cause. <laughs> Something <laughs> else is causing all of it. I'm just going with the flow. Yeah, no, I hear I'm what you're not, saying. I hear what you're yeah. saying. And I think there's validity to what you're saying. Let me, let me see if I can put, put into words what I'm thinking. We've described a scenario where everything that could possibly be already is in, in all these different uh, multiverse-type situations. Okay, so they're all there. Along comes a creator, one of us, okay? And we enter life, we enter the contrast, and we start creating. And, and as you're using the word creating, what we're really doing is choosing. What if, what if you could enter that and I know this is going to sound really mind-boggling, but what if you can enter that scenario and create something new and thereby increase what was already infinite? Then that will be expansion. <laughs> that would be expansion. That's exactly what I thought. So expansion may be, <laughs> as strange as this sounds, increasing infinity. <laughs> wow. Well, it's interesting because we think of infinity is in, is infinite. Is it time? Is it space? Is it both? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> because if everything happens at once and I'm picturing that I'm here and I'm going to walk over there, then me here and me over there are both happening at the same time. But I don't experience that way because I have to move my body over there through space, which takes time. And so I have an experience of time mm-hmm. being linear. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we talk about something being infinite, we get into a, a whole different conversation because, well, are the ideas infinite? Are the multiverses, you know, qu- uh, parallel experiences are they infinite already or can we add to them with our imagination i don't know or to put it another way is infinity a limit or or or, or is infinity truly unlimited (laughs) because i think that's what we're really looking at here we're looking at the question of if if you have infinity if you have an infinite number of possibilities have you placed a limit by saying well there's only an infinite number of possibilities but when you yeah, been, we had this discussion here at home the other night. The oh, discussion really? was, yeah, is the universe infinite, mm-hmm. or does it have an end? Mm-hmm. I mean, these are mysteries to me. <laughs> I, I think it actually makes sense to say that if if something is truly infinite, then there is no. It, it is almost incomplete to say that everything has already been worked out because. It precludes the idea of infinity to say that. Exactly. That's wild. Isn't it? Yeah. And it's also, for me, very encouraging. 
because now I have a now I, I have a better sense of why we're here, and a sense I like a lot. We're truly here to com- to contribute to the expansion by continuing the creation, which continues the infinity. Wow, that's pretty pretty amazing thought, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so let's see what Neville says. He's going to probably this is, this validate is, this whole thought probably, experiment. Probably, but this is, this is a definite seminal moment for me in this lifetime, especially in the last 10 years since I heard about Abraham's uh, recommendation of the idea that we are here for expansion. I feel like I'm now finally getting the idea of what expansion is. Yeah, it's, it's, a, lot, it's a lot more than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's huge. It's huge. Uh we, by the movements of our attention, give life to the sculptures of Loss's Halls. Now, that's exactly where we started, mm-hmm. is that where we direct our attention is our choice, so to speak. Uh, and maybe we're choosing something new as well, right? Think of the world as containing an infinite number of states of consciousness from which it could be viewed. Think of these states as rooms or mansions in the house of God. And like the rooms of any house, they are fixed relative to one another. But think of yourself, the real self, the imaginative you, as the living, moving occupant of God's house. Each room contains some of Loss's sculptures with infinite plots and dramas and situations Already worked out, but not activated. They're activated as soon as human imagination enters and fuses with them. Each represents certain mental and emotional activities. To enter a state, a man must consent to the ideas and feelings which it represents. These states represent an infinite number of possible mental transformations which man can experience. To move into another state or mansion necessitates a change of beliefs. Boy, All that a you key could... phrase right there. Right there. To move into another state or mansion necessitates a change of beliefs. That, to me, is yeah. a huge statement. Change of beliefs. Because... Well, the next sentence says, All that you could ever desire is already present and only awaits to be matched by your beliefs. And, and it says to me, beliefs perhaps at least as we understand the word beliefs, are in and of themselves limitations. And so every time that we reach yeah. the, the limit of our beliefs, the only way to, to grow beyond that is to change them. Well, it reminds me of that. There's a, a, a Buddhist saying that the, the mind that sees a limitation is the limitation. Mm-hmm, true. But here, when you say, you know, uh, about limiting beliefs. It may, I, I was sitting here thinking that every belief is a limiting belief in some way. Exactly. Precisely. Because we hear that phrase a lot, especially in coaching. It's like a limiting belief, right? And, 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 and as coaches, when we listen to someone, we often hear the limiting beliefs in their, in their speech. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, but then I started thinking, but what about beliefs that don't get categorized as limiting? 
you know, things that we don't say, oh, you know, that's a limiting belief, but beliefs that seem so expansive and hopeful and full of expectation, in some way, they may also be limiting beliefs just because maybe we need that limitation to be able to focus in one direction. Well, yeah, look how much we had to stumble through our exploration of what expansion is by trying to understand infinity and where does limit fit into <laughs> infinity. I mean, that, that was such a mental gymnastics routine that it's exhausting. Beliefs are a nice, easy way to be able to handle all that stuff because right. they do have a limit <laughs> built in. Right. So all that we could ever desire is already there. Yeah. It's just waiting to be matched by our beliefs. And mm -hmm. when we match our beliefs, then we can fuse to that state and experience whatever that is, right? We bring it to life. Um, it says, but it must be matched for that is the necessary condition by which alone it can be activated and objectified. Matching the beliefs of a state is the seeking that finds the knocking to which it is opened, the asking that receives go in and possess the land. So here's an, interesting, here's an interesting concept. Let's see what you think of it. The One of the objects of life is to, to move from belief to belief in a way that helps us enjoy the journey the most. And therefore yes. not to be stuck in any one particular belief. Right. I agree. I, and that's that's something that... It's hard for me to put into words, but I remember having that kind of revelation about belief, about beliefs being something we could choose. Mm -hmm. Um, that we're not born with beliefs. We're often taught a bunch of beliefs when we're younger, but there's nothing that says, well, that's what I was taught growing up. That's what I have to believe. We get to choose our beliefs. And and I'm not just talking about religious beliefs. I'm talking about belief in general. Mm -hmm. I get to choose what I believe. That's right. And that is so empowering to me. Is that I, it? It all my beliefs are a choice. And more than that, you don't want to just make one choice. I mean, we human beings tend to to take a belief and and stick with it, right? Right. It's often called exactly. conservative. Well, that's, that's it's a, it's a conservative that. approach. It's like the let, well, we'll just we'll just look at it this far because that's safe, you know. Right. Well, at some point, well, this is easy for anybody that's learned about law of attraction. At some point, we learned about the law of attraction, and that we could y use this law to our advantage and consciously create things, and most of us had to believe that it wasn't already something we believed. Mm -hmm. We learned of it. We decided whether we believed it or not. But here's the thing. We get to choose. I believe that. I'm choosing to believe it. Mm -hmm. I'm choosing to believe it from the very beginning, even when I haven't experienced it yet. Yeah. Right? So we make that choice, and then we begin to experience life differently because of that belief. Neville says, the moment man matches the beliefs of any state, he fuses with it. And this union results in the activation and projection of its plots, plans, dramas, and situations. It becomes the individual's home 
from which he views the world. It is his workshop. And if he's observant, he will see outer reality shaping itself upon the model of his imagination. (laughs) It is for this purpose of training us in image making that we were made subject to the limitations of the senses and clothed in bodies of flesh. It is the awakening of the imagination, the returning of his son that our father waits for. Remember that Neville often uses this uh, parallel saying that, that Christ in us is our imagination. Right. The creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who subjected it. But the victory of the son, the return of the prodigal, assures us that the creature shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So he he is saying that this is <laughs> sort of the fulfillment of these verses uh, are, is our imagination. Much different than the way these verses will be looked at. Through a traditional Christian approach, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. There's def- definitely heresy here. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it will be looked at that way. Uh, I tend to like it better. We were subjected to this biological experience because no one can know of imagination who's not been subjected to the vanities and limitations of the flesh, who's not taken his share of sonship and gone prodigal. <laughs> <laughs> who is who has not experimented and tasted this cup of experience and confusion will continue until man awakes and a fundamentally imaginative view of life has been reestablished and acknowledged as basic. So he he's got two different uses of the word sun going there because he has sun capitalized too. So like you were talking about before, he's well actually he's got three of them going on here. One is the, the sonship and gone prodigal. So the story of the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. The second is what we were talking about before of of son and, and the Christ within idea. Right, right, the son and the father. And and the third, well, yeah, I guess the second and third are pretty much the same, although they are expressed a little bit differently. The, the third is sons or children of God. And the sons or children of God, I guess that's also imagination. Yes, I agree that that is what he is saying. So, so basically what we have here is a cosmic joke. he gets he gets here he says um i should preach the unsearchable riches of christ and make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world has been hid in god who created all things by jesus christ Mm -hmm. bear in mind that christ in you is your imagination so he says this over and over he does yeah As the appearance of our world is determined by the particular state with which we are fused, so may we determine our fate as individuals by fusing our imaginations with ideals we seek to realize. That's conscious creation. Mm -hmm. On the distinction between our states of consciousness depends the distinction between the circumstances and conditions of our lives. Man, who is free in his choice of state, often cries out to be saved from the state of his choice. (laughs) Okay, more mental backflips going on here. (laughs) Well, I always think that's, you know, people saying, be careful what you wish for. Okay, I see what you're saying. In other words, uh, part of this is that we're not recognizing that 
that it's our choices that have created the state we're in. True, that, that's very and true. And we're crying out to be saved ah. from these states. <laughs> and it was our free choice. We mm-hmm. we chose it. Mm-hmm. So he says, choose wisely the state that you will serve. All states are lifeless until imagination fuses with them. All things, when they are admitted, are made manifest by the light. For everything that is made manifest is light, and ye are the light of the world, by which those ideas to which you have consented are made manifest. Hold fast to your ideal. Nothing can take it from you but your imagination. Don't think of your ideal. Think from it. It's only ideals from which you think that are ever realized. Then he says, man lives not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And the mouth of God is the mind of man. (laughs) Become a drinker and an eater of the ideals you wish to realize. Have a set definite aim or your mind will wander. And wandering, it eats every negative suggestion. If you live right mentally, everything else will be right. By a change of mental diet, you can alter the course of observed events. But unless there's a change of mental diet, your personal history remains the same. You illuminate or darken your life by the ideas to which you consent. Nothing is more important to you than the ideas on which you feed, and you feed on the ideas from which you think. If you find the world unchanged, it is a sure sign that you are wanting infidelity to the new mental diet which you neglect in order to condemn your environment. You are in need of a new and sustained attitude. You can be anything you please if you will make the conception habitual for any idea which excludes all others from the field of attention discharges in action. The ideas and moods to which you constantly return define the state with which you are fused. Therefore, Train yourself to occupy more frequently the feeling of your wish fulfilled. This is creative magic. It's the way to work toward fusion with the desired state. And I think we're getting close to being out of time, so I don't want to keep going, but this is really good stuff. (laughs) It is. Well, yeah, and and he is, uh, you're right, he keeps uh, repeating the same concept in slightly different ways over and over again, and very poetically, I have to say. Um, it, It also leaves a, a concept in mind. I'll probably actually talk with you after the podcast, but very briefly, it's this, that all of this stuff is very um, appealing to the mind that is great at seeing pictures in the mind. Because I'm understanding now that for somebody who is a regular picture seer, and I'm not one of those, what he's doing is he's providing a way of, of kind of um, traversing the landscape of that mental imaging facility. So I'll just, I'll just leave the thought there. (laughs) Yes. And the feelings and the feelings associated with it. Right. So, okay. Well then I I look forward, we're going to finish up the book this afternoon, right? Cause uh, that's chapter eight. It's the last book. Looks like we are. All right. So I look forward to doing that. (laughs) And you're going to be there too, I hope, right? Because I need your I help to do this. Oh, good. Because <laughs> I, I depend on you to help figure this out. And we hope that you'll join us next time here as well here on LOA Today. Goodbye. Bye, everyone.